It's morning in Santa Maria. Dark clouds are forming. The barometer is dropping. It's more human than a wool sock and a cowboy boot. The tractors till the fields. There's a truck show at the end. A broccoli truck turned over. Roadkill for vegetarians. The new Oaxaca Deli brings out their array of aged meats. Tourists come in the summer. Some driving 150 miles an hour in fancy sports cars. What a show. Longtime city managers say, I'm out of here. People gather on front porches to get the 411. They can also get the 211 if they only want half the truth. And 111 if they're running for president. Jimmy, dear, it's time to get out of bed, honey. You don't want to miss the first day at new school, do you? I'm not going. Let me sleep some more. Of course you're going, honey. No, I'm not. I don't want to start over again. I hate my new school. Oh, how can you hate your new school, sweetheart? You've never been there before. You liked your other school. You'll like this one. Besides, just think of all the new friends you'll meet. That's it. I won't know anybody, and it will be hard. I just hate it, that's all. What will everyone think if you're not there? We told them you were coming. They will think that I am lucky and wish they were in home in bed like me. Jimmy John James, I am not playing this game one single minute longer. I expect to see you downstairs in five minutes. My head hurts. Here are your favorite eggs with nopales. I feel sick. Children emerge from darkened rooms after months of all-night video game sessions, chatting with friends. They stumble to school. Three- and four-year-old children arrive for their first days of school, dwarfed by a princess or Spider-Man backpack. Occasionally, one little boy tries to elope, but there's always a helping hand to guide the child back. It's morning in Santa Maria. Nonsense, you'll love your new school once you get started. Oh, look, here's your principal, Miss Maplethorpe. Oh, Jimmy, there you are, come in. I'll show you where to go. Your room is 14. Don't worry. Everyone is nervous the first day. We are here, thank you children, for being in your seat. Class, class, attention please. I would like you to meet your new teacher, Mr. Jimmy John James. Have a good first day of school. Oh. Hey, good morning boys and girls. Hello. You've reached the season premiere of the Cowboy Jeff and Andy podcast. This is our special back to school edition. Andy reflects on his travels this summer and interviews Alejandra and CISO, 
a member of the Allen Hancock College Board of Trustees. So it will be a great show. Stay tuned. Hi, everyone. I'm glad to be back. I took a little sabbatical, and now I'm rested and back in the swing. I went back to the windy city of Chicago. What an arts town. I was a little green because, boy, there's so much going on. Music, art, theater, improv. And we're still a small area here, and we're trying to get more arts going. It's nice to have what the big city has to offer. And But I'm a little ready to come back to our quiet little Sleepy Hollow. One of the highlights that I found in Chicago was Rosa's Lounge, which is on Facebook every weekend, and they stream live blues. So that was pretty cool. And, and the Magic Lounge in Chicago, wow. I had never seen magic performed like that. And I, it really inspired me to learn a couple card tricks just to impress my friends. Then I was off to the UK to see my favorite band, the New Master Sounds in Leeds. More on that next week. One band I wanted to talk about was uh, a band from Africa. It's called, they're from Zambia, and it's called Zamrock. And the band is called Witch. We intend to cause havoc. And basically, this was a psychedelic band. I listened to a lot of this type of music in the 80s uh, when I was in college. And it's kind of that post-60s garage, they call it. And uh, But boy, these guys from Africa took it to the next level. And really, there's they were so big. And the lead singer uh, was really the Mick Jagger of Zambia. And they got him out in the bush, digging up gems. And most of the band members were gone, but the young music files found him. And now they've revitalized his career and they are touring all over the world. And I'll see if I can get you a little sample uh, on the podcast just so you can uh, you can sample which. And I just enjoy bands, especially from Africa. They take American music and then they make it their own. So uh, it was just really something unusual that I saw. Also, I have been honored to receive a, an award for my school district, the key to the district. And, and it was really, it was given to me by John Hollinshead, the board president, and all my union friends were there. And, and it just was a really touching moment. And you work so hard and the honors are hard to come and, and it's a little embarrassing, but I, I, I'm taking it. I'm going to take it. And it gave me a chance to tell my story. And I just can't believe I told everyone about my gay dad and, uh, and my history. I'm a third generation teacher. And there was a great write-up in the Santa Maria Times. So I'm really proud of that. I was at the Cause luncheon over the weekend and Greg Hart was there. He announced that he got a $1 million grant for the Santa Maria soccer field. And, and all the organizing that Cause has done over the 
over the years has really started to make an impact. And, and I'm really excited. We're interviewing Alejandra Nciso, who is a new member to the Hancock Board, and she's part of this young generation that I'm so excited about. So it's been a good summer, and, and we need to celebrate the victories when we can. But as Cesar Chavez says, the struggle continues. And also, amidst that struggle, we got to laugh. So that's part of my purpose in the Cowboy Jeff and Andy podcast is to give a little news, with a little bit of sugar, and uh, kind of fulfill that need for local news in the Valley. So I am so happy you're joining me today, and I know it's going to be a great show. So thank you. We're going to do some kind of a uh, introduction ourselves, you know. There it comes. There it comes. There it comes now. here with Alejandra and CISO, and she is a member of the Board of Trustees for Allen Hancock College. Good morning, Alejandra. Good morning. How are you? Oh, I am, I am well. Uh, you were appointed to the board in June 2021. Yes. 
and you're part of this new dream team of millennial leaders that have <laughs> taken Santa Maria by storm. <laughs> and uh, and then you were elected. I I, I read that you were uh, you ran unopposed. Yes. And so uh, so that was great. And now you're on the board for a four year term. Yes. Um. I uh, took Larry Lair's uh, original seat. Um which was pretty amazing because I know Larry from a long time. He's probably always a teenager. And I never thought I would be in any type of – I wanted to be a leader, but I never thought I would be on an actual board of, that like created change for young people. And so this is pretty amazing. I'm glad that I um, – the, the community felt that I was doing a good job. <laughs> Yeah, so no one decided. Was Larry from Guadalupe? No, Larry was from Orchid, and uh, he moved out of his district in 2022, and so that's how, or 2021, and that's how I got appointed. Can you tell me some of the burning issues that the Alan Hancock Board has been dealing with right now? Yeah, so right now we're we're working on, uh, we just put in new parking um Solar panels in the in the parking lot. Oh, I have we, noticed that. Yeah, yes. we just are we're going towards the end of the construction of our student health center and our uh, services for students who have maybe need food pantry or things like that. We're constructing that end of a building, um, and you know regular business as as usual, approving you know programming that has gone through academic senate. What most people don't know about being on a board of a school is that we have shared governance, so meaning that it has to go through different committees before it gets to us, and then we can either veto it or approve it. But usually, we um, it's gone through students and you know the academic senate, and so by that time, we feel pretty comfortable in our in our community, uh, our Hancock community, to approve things. Have you noticed? Uh... The learning loss has COVID, and I know a lot of students were affected during that time. Yeah, that was one of the biggest issues we had. Um, Distance learning is not for everyone. Um, I, when I went to Hancock, I went at night because I learned better at night. I wasn't a morning person. I've never been a morning person. Um, So, uh, and then when I went, I took some classes online, and then we did uh, we did a hybrid where we went to class sometimes and so I actually enjoyed that um I got to to experience what it is to teach um online at one point and so now that people are are, most of our student population wants to be in person so we're having that you know conundrum of you know um students coming back and being safe and all that stuff especially we say oh COVID has ended but you know we just had a surge this over the summer of COVID um and now enrollment is back up. So we're excited about enrollment being back up at Hancock College. And students can could go go tuition free for yeah. a two year. We have the Hancock Promise. Um, it's getting close to its end. So the second year will be, uh, you would have to pay, but the first year will be free, which is pretty amazing. Um, so you go and you, you sign up for a full academic course, which is 12 units, and you have to ha- hit all all the different required transfer programs which is you know English writing I mean um, math and you know all history whatever you whatever your requirements are for either a UC or a CSU transfer and once you hit those 
um, it'll be free. And then Hancock has a pro program where uh, we have digital books that lend and we have um, hard copies that you can let you can ask for lending at either the bookstore or the library, wow. which is pretty amazing. Wow. Yeah. And you are the first generation to go to college in your family. Yes, I'm the first generation. I'm the uh, oldest of three. And uh, my sister is in community college right now. Um, but I have a bachelor's degree in fine arts with an emphasis in photography. Wow, fine arts. How, <laughs> what led you to the fine arts? Um, my dad had an old Canon uh, with a 35 millimeter that you... If you I had one of those. I had a Canon. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I'm kind of like that middle generation between Gen X and millennial. Like I looked, I thought you were a millennial or yeah. you're kind of in the middle. You're at the cusp. Yeah. I'm in the, that cusp that, um, so I got to see, you know, the phone books and <laughs> maps that you actually extend, um, a tracks, cassettes, all that. So my dad, when he had that camera at the age of 11, he taught me how to take pictures and, I just, it was so much fun because it was an activity that I got to do with my dad because um, he was a farm worker at the time. He traveled with the lettuce route. I don't know if you know What that. is the lettuce route? I'm not familiar with that. Okay, so the lettuce route starts here in Santa Maria, then it goes to Salinas, and then it goes all the way to Yuba. So I was a migrant student all growing up. So do you traveled with him? Um, sometimes we would travel. Sometimes we would stay. Um, there was a couple times that I had to go live in Mexico. So um, we would just we would just be there and we would wait for my dad to come. And so growing up, I got to see a lot of different things. And one of the most fun memories that I have of my dad is either cleaning the garage and dancing cumbias um, or, you know, taking pictures because, you know, Having parents that work in the fields is definitely a different experience. You either, your parents come home late, um, your mom is, you know, either, I would remember she would make breakfast and go to work and she would make handmade tortillas, flour tortillas, and she would put butter on them. And that was my breakfast. Um, so I have really good memories of those times. But yeah, there's a lot of, you know, bittersweetness because my dad was, and my mom would be working a lot, yeah. And so you spent most of your childhood in Guadalupe? Yeah, I'm a, I was born here in Santa Maria, lived in Guadalupe uh, most of my life. I lived a couple of months in Sonora, Mexico, and uh, some time in Jalisco, where my mom's from. My dad's from Sonora, my mom's from Jalisco. And then I went to school in um, L.A., in the San Fernando Valley. I went to CSUN. And what was Guadalupe like in the 80s? Are you noticing a big difference yeah. Today? Yeah. So the biggest difference that I noticed that is that it's quieter now as an adult, I can appreciate that more after living in the big city. Um, the other thing is that gang related activity has very much subsided in Guadalupe, which is very nice. Um, I remember growing up um, in Guadalupe and by the time I was 20, we had a couple, you know, classmates that had already, you know, passed because of gang related activity or they were you know, definitely incarcerated because of that. It's all moved to Santa Maria, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that, I think. <laughs> yeah, I remember I really have good memories. Um, I, I just enjoyed the Far Western. I was involved with the Dune Center, and that was just such a – I remember all those events out there, and mm -hmm. I remember going across the street to the dive bar and 
and it, that was a big loss. Uh, yeah, so the all those activities are not the same. I remember growing up and doing uh, fiestas for the sixteenth of September and the um, the Comité Cívico Mexicano of Guadalupe, which is the the longest running comité in California. Comité. Comité Cívico Mexicano, the one that does the sixteenth of September. Oh parade. yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, they're the longest in history. Um, wow. Yeah. So it's pretty exciting that Little Guadalupe has a ton of history. Um, And in 2020, I started getting involved. And then 2021, we had the, you know, the uh, 9-11. And so we didn't do a a parade that year because of it. And then in 2022, I ran for queen candidate of the city of Guadalupe for the, well, not city of Guadalupe, but for the comité. And I I won the ambassadorship for that. And that what did that entail? Did you go on to the next level or no? So uh, what we do is we represent the comité in public um, settings, and we donate some of the money goes into education. Uh, I got a scholarship out of it, which was really nice, and um, some of the money goes to you know doing the event for next year. Yeah. So now, I guess there's a lot of new housing in Guadalupe, and there's uh, maybe the community's changing. What are you noticing about that? Yeah, so the, the Pasadera homes are definitely a big um, need. Uh, it's bringing in, you know, tax dollars for our school district, which is pretty amazing. Um, Guadalupe Unified is working on getting a middle school created, which is much needed. Yes. <laughs> right now we have... Um, fourth through eighth at McKenzie, which is pretty intense. <laughs> oh, wow. You yeah. have that you're housing the junior high out there. Yeah. And at the junior high, we have fourth graders all the way to eighth graders and they run in two different sessions. And then Mary Barron has one through third. Yeah. Or K through third. Yeah. And transitional. So it's definitely much needed. Guadalupe has grown very much since I was little. And, um, the other thing is that there's different projects that are coming on, like the Leroy Park um, renovation, which is the oldest community park in our county, uh, which is beautiful. You know, we couldn't have done that without, you know, the support of the community or um, the hard work of the city and um, Los Amigos of Guadalupe, which provided uh, much support to that project. They're looking to renovate the, um, the Royal Theater, which will have will house uh, classrooms and workshop areas and then a full kitchen. Um, and then the front of the, the building will be retrofitted as um, as is from when it was first made because it's just became a historical landmark for the state of California. Wow. I've, yeah. I just, I think Guadalupe has so much potential. Me as an advocate for the arts, it's kind of a destination. I know they have that is it called the Guadalupe Social Club? Uh, yes. And that is such an exciting, I haven't been out there, but it just seems like cool and hip and maybe Guadalupe's, you know, can really have that in their community. Yeah. Um, I haven't been either. Okay. I, I've been super busy with a lot of other projects, but um, they seem to be, I follow them on Facebook and, um, and Instagram and they seem to have like, you know, snacks and wine and beer, and then they do certain activities. I saw that they did a flower arrangement activity. They did one, an activity for seniors. They did an activity for family, friend, family and friends and kids. So they seem to be doing very active activities, which bring in people, which is really nice. 
Now you have a passion for dance and you have a, 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 tr a traditional dance group. Could you tell me more about that? Yes. Yeah, so and the name I was, uh, <laughs> could you say the name? <laughs> yeah. So we're Danza Coat Xochitl. Coat uh, means serpent and Xochitl means flower. Uh, it's a, a um, from the Nahuatl language, which is the Aztec la native language in central Mexico and around the city of Mexico. Um, and so I've been a Aztec dancer for, oh my God, <laughs> let me see, 37, 38 years. There was like a that. group here. Are, yes. Is so, that the same group that so, was in the uh, Prescott Park or they would, or Walla Park, they would rehearse. I remember seeing them a few years ago at the Corazon de Pueblo opening over on Main Street. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's a different group. Oh, okay. that, that group actually started from uh, the group that I started with. 37 Years, years ago. Uh, wow. So 37 years ago, the migrant education program in Guadalupe had a dance teacher that taught traditional Aztec dance. And so um, when I joined that, that group, the family, one of the family, one of the family members, the family members that were in the group kind of split and made their own group. And I stayed with the Guadalupe group because I was in Guadalupe. So it made sense. And um Ever since then, I've been dancing. So we do traditional presentations. We do ceremony. Um, uh, our biggest ceremony that we host is Dia de los Muertos, and we do it in the San Fernando Valley. Oh, wow. Yeah. You traveled down there to do it? Yeah, I've traveled uh -huh. to Seattle, Washington, Arizona, to different parts of Mexico to dance and um, teach our, and participate in traditional ceremonies. And then we do tons of presentations across California and different parts. And there's dr drumming involved? Yes, there's a, a drummer, there's flute, there's uh, there's actually guitars. Uh, they're made out of armadillos or, um, oh my God, in Spanish they're called guajes. Um, I forget, but they're, they're kind of like empty shells. They look like, uh, they look like squash, but they're empty in this, in the inside and, and they get really hard and then they open them up and they put 10 strings on them. So it's not like a traditional guitar with your six chords or uh, 12, uh -huh. it's 10 and it, the sound is so high pitch. It's pretty intense. And then when you sing, you sing in a high pitch and it's supposed to represent the calling of, you know, your ancestors. <laughs> this is like pre-mariachi. <laughs> pre-mariachi, yes. <laughs> are there different styles? I mean, are, are there different genres within? Uh, no, uh, there's um, there's the, what we call, oh, we, they use the mandolin too. They oh. use a mandolin uh, and we use the flutes and the drums and then we have water drums, we have rocks, we use like all kinds of different native instruments from from back in the day. And you also have a, a business teaching dance and also emceeing quinceañeras. <laughs> yeah, I tell people in Spanish, uh, I mil usos, which means a thousand um, uses. <laughs> it sounds better in Spanish, but I do a lot. Uh, I know how to embroider and for this, for the, um, for the dance, I go um, either bartend or I go teach uh, dance and present the quinceañera dance and then the dance, the surprise dance, and then I'll introduce the family members and all that stuff. Um, it's like a wedding MC. Yeah, like a wedding MC. And we do weddings too. Um, and we do quinceañeras and then um, we do private events and things like that. You said the surprise dance? Was yeah. That so traditionally you do the the waltz or the vals what we call the vals in spanish 
and it's not like a traditional waltz like we think of in you know in um professional dancing world but we do a, a, a waltz somewhat of waltz and then we introduce all the the court of the quinceanera and then they do the presentation of the of the parents and the mother-daughter dance and you know the father-daughter dance um and then we have the toast and i choreograph all of that in between and then um sometimes we'll have the the dollar dance for the if it's a wedding if not they'll have like the the padrinos which are the godparents that put like let's say somebody bought the booze or whatever <laughs> uh-huh. they get presented and um, things like that and then at the end they come out and they do a surprise dance and that usually starts the party and that comes uh i mean uh that comes from mexico and um yes yeah, and what's the purpose of the quinceanera what's so actually the quinceanera is actually uh starts from a native tradition called shilonen uh, which is the becoming of age ceremony, and um, so in during pre uh, pre contact um, times, young women and young men would uh, start their path to enter adulthood and be part of society members. So there were certain tasks they would have to do based on um, how they identified, right? Or their gender roles um, and who th- who they knew they were, and so uh, for women, for people who identified as women, some of it would be like making sure that you knew how to run your house, making sure that you know you knew how to bargain for food, how to choose food, all that stuff. And then for men, um, usually it was either uh, skills of you know making weapons or uh, hunting or you know things like that. So. During Shilonen, uh, we w- these young people would come up and present themselves, and so we have Guerreros and uh, Shilonen would come and they would present them, and they would come out to the society, and this was their formal introduction to adulthood. And but in our modern world, we really we want our girls to go to college. So yes, that's kind of a. <laughs> A balance with the traditional and also modern expectations. Yeah. So one of the things that a lot of parents do is if you don't have good grades, you don't get a quinceanera. Oh, there we go. <laughs> yeah. So I knew I that's what happened to me. They were like, you have to have good grades or else you're not getting a quinceanera. So guess what? I got good grades that year. <laughs> oh, that's a good incentive. <laughs> yeah. So last night I went to American Mariachi over at PCPA and thank you hey. Hancock Board for the $500,000 new sound system over at the theater. <laughs> and you're going tonight? Yes, I'm going tonight with my boyfriend. Uh, we're excited. He loves mariachi. I love theater and all the arts, so I'm kind of um, excited about it. Uh, I, I also like mariachi, but... Um, I'm more of a dancer, so you know, mariachi. You really can't dance; you just enjoy it. You what? Well, there's the waltz. I guess a waltz type, the 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 three. Yeah. But that you're saying mariachi is not as much about dance. Well, uh, we in Mexico, we yeah, we do dance it. We do dance to mariachi, but mostly it's something to enjoy. Like uh, it's just a like a cultural enjoyment. Yeah. And one of the themes in that play was the traditional uh, macho dad mm-hmm. and um, and and it was set in the 70s yes um, what do you think about have you experienced um, I mean was your father supportive in all your efforts and did you 
find resistance in going off to school or, or in your community or family? So, yeah, so this is a great question. Um, my dad, luckily, was very supportive. Um, he did have some tendencies of, uh, you know, because there's macho and then there's machismo, right? Like there's Okay, what's the, the difference? The difference is, like, macho is being manly and machismo is, like, being uh, chauvinistic. So that's what, so there's a big difference, right? So my dad was, yeah, he was macho. Um, he didn't, he wasn't machista to per se. Um, he really, now that he's older, he's stuck in his ways. <laughs> oh, he's not, you're too old to change? <laughs> he's too old to change now. But um, yeah, uh, he was very supportive. He, during school, he let me go to future leaders for the camp. He, he let me go to Yosemite to, he wanted me to travel and learn. He always encouraged anything that was related to school. So I didn't have a problem. When I was getting ready to graduate my senior year at Regetti, though, um, my parents had just had my, my baby sister. We're 11 and a half years apart. Oh, yeah. So I was, she was probably like seven at the time, six or seven. And so I told my parents that I would go to community college for two years and they, they wouldn't have my support with my sister. And so they were kind of like shock. <laughs> They're like, oh, she's really going to college. <laughs> and I did my two years at Hancock. Um, and I worked while I was there. And then uh, summer of the fall of 20, 2003, I went to, um, to CSUN. And uh, I spent five years in the Valley. I did three years to complete my BA. And then I came back after the two years. I just... I loved LA City. There was so much art. There were so many museums. Just the walk on Santa Monica Boulevard and the galleries. Um, I'm not um, Mocha. Was it my best experience? Because I'm not oh, really, really modern. Uh, yeah, I'm not really uh, into modern art. But um, anything like I love a surrealist and I love um, you know Mexican traditional art like Diego Rivera, Frida Kahlo. Rufino Tamayo, um, I'm very into that kind of style of, um, you know, art. And so I felt that I found my niche um, there. And then I came back and I did community. I worked for nonprofits since. Yeah, I've been reflecting on this a lot that, um, you know, the role of men are in our society and changing changing roles. And it, it really makes uh, – it makes things more complicated, you know, in relationships. And, and I, I think we're still kind of feeling our way, at, uh, you know, our path forward. Yeah, I think part of the thing is, you know, in California especially, uh, to have a household, you need two incomes yes. for the most part, yes. right? And so when you're dating, um, even like right now uh, that I'm dating, I find that, you know, um, men usually want a, a woman to be, you know, supportive and, you know, take on that kind of m not motherly, but homemaker role. And, but yet they also have to work and they also have to provide income to the home. And so when those things happen, you know, there's, I, I think a lot of people are not sure where they can support and that boundary, it gets really blurred. And so for folks who, don't want to cook every day, right? But yeah, do you? Uh, I'm finding <laughs> I, 
that my mom stopped cooking and it, and now we have it so convenient you can go and get pre-made food and uh yeah. <laughs> yeah so a lot of women don't cook as much anymore which is fine my mom i said mom you didn't teach me how to cook and she said i taught you how to work <laughs> you can learn to cook on your own <laughs> yeah i mean i i love cooking oh you do i do uh-huh. um i actually love making f- large amounts of food for for family um that's one of my my fun things i cannot bake to save my life oh okay <laughs> i cannot follow a recipe all the recipes that i've learned i've learned from like people telling me and so i'm a auto learner so um so I can make food, but I cannot bake. <laughs> okay, well that's a, that's a start. <laughs> that's a start, yeah. And um, I know a lot of recipes, and I learned from my mom watching my mom. What do you like? Hands. What is? What do you make? What, what I do you can like? make enchiladas verdes. I can make seafood, ceviche, a la diabla. You know, uh, quesadillas de, de camarón, which is shrimp um, quesadillas that are actually you cook the shrimp in like butter and like chili and with garlic and then you put you make your handmade tortillas so yeah i've i've been cooking for a long long time um i cooked while i was in college i learned how to cook probably when i was 13 i started cooking and you came up through the future leaders of america yes i did wow tell us a little bit about that experience (laughs) and ilda i know was uh work for that organization and now you're on the board of future leaders too. I used to be. You used yeah. to be. Yeah. So um I actually started at Central Coast Future Leaders, which is what Hilda founded in um back in the early nineties. Um and I went to camp in nineteen ninety seven. Oh my God, I'm dating myself. <laughs> is that over at uh, Kachuma? Yes, it was at uh-huh. Kachuma. Uh-huh. So I have a, a a fond memory of Whittier. That that's my camp, Camp Whittier, across camp Whittier. The, uh-huh. across the street from Kachuma. Um, and then in two thousand one, I think we merged with Future Leaders of America, and so I just kept going to camp. And I ended up going to Washington D.C. with Future Leaders. I went to go to Mexico with Future Leaders. Uh, my very first time to go to Mexico City, which was very beautiful. Um, and I, at one point, I directed camps, and so I had staff and students under me, and then I served on the board. Um, now that I'm older, I'm like, okay, I'm not as relevant to these young folk anymore. So um, I've, I, I've stepped back, but definitely whenever I get a call, I'm like, yeah, I'll help with, you know, dec- decorations or whatever. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I just, it's really so nice to talk to you. And, uh, and I'm just happy to, to share PCPA with American Mariachi and you'll just have a, such a great time tonight. I hope so. I'm so excited and looking forward to it. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you. I toil and struggle eight days a week. I join a nonprofit. I'm on a committee. I deal with the kids and sometimes I'm strict. They gave me a key to the school district. I shine my shoes and I comb my hair. They gave me a plaque and my buds were there. Attached to the plaque was a key. It could open any door I could see. I went to the room with the office supplies, thought I'd get the good that the district buys. I looked at the door and put in the key. The door stayed shut. I could not be free. 
night I went to the cafeteria for some sweet rolls and some pastry puffs. I slid my key in the lock. The door didn't open. It seemed to be blocked. I went to the room with the vault. May get some scratch for some pepper and salt. I looked at the key and I think it was done. No to the million dollar reserve fund. At last I realized my key didn't function. I put it on the wall without compunction. I saw future leaders in front of me. The old sheep can celebrate a victory. You've reached the end of another episode of the Cowboy Jeff and Andy podcast. My special thanks to Alejandra and CISO. I can be reached on Facebook at Andy Watson. And we're on Gmail at CowboyJeffAndAndy at gmail.com or all lowercase. So I'll see you next week. And bye-bye. Here are your favorite eggs with nogales. Nogales is a town, right? <laughs> that's that's going to go in the blooper reel. Go ahead. <laughs>